Hey guys, we are coming at you again with another Scaring is Sharing. Yes, it's the place where we share our scares with each other and you. We, if you're just tuning in now, of course, this is a this is a podcast about horror movies, ostensibly. Yep. We kind of yep. stretch the definition sometimes, but you know, <laughs> horror adjacent as we like to call There's it. There's no rules here, it's anarchy. Yeah, we do what we want. It's our show. That's so. right. And Fuck I'm Brandy, you. Brandy Joe, the flaming <laughs> scream queen. And I'm Jeremy Rusk, the original Sasquatch Slim. Yeah, not to be confused with the imitation Sasquatch That's right. Slim. Any other Sasquatch Slims out there <laughs> are just perpetrating. And y'all, Jeremy is coming to you today from his bed. It is very exciting. It's up first. I'm reclined in my bedroom. I had to find a new recording space because today my wife... Uh, and my mother-in-law is here visiting, and we're having a garage sale. So yes. where I where I normally record, you can hear them talking outside to people. So I was like, <laughs> I gotta I gotta try and get somewhere the back half of the house. Now, <laughs> so I, did they ask you to move because they didn't want you to scare the garage sale people off by talking about horror movies and blood and guts? We can tell people that, but <laughs> now. When I was a kid, we used to garage sale. Like, let's go garage sailing is what we would say. And we'd get the Cody Enterprise, which is the the newspaper of Cody, Wyoming. And mm -hmm. you'd have your page with all the garage sales. And we would just go to town. And there'd always be like, who got the buy of the day? And it's like, whoever got like the best deal or the coolest thing. And mm -hmm. I remember having like egg McMuffins while we garage sailed. And I mean, we would just go for like three or four hours. My parents still do it. Awesome. They drove up to Montana like last week and they're like, oh, yeah, we're on our eighth garage sale on the way up here. They just anywhere they saw a sign, they'd stop. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's almost kind of what's going on here, except it's like the digital age, because this weekend is the city of Hazel Park's, you know, a garage sale weekend officially. Mm -hmm. So you can be on the Facebook page or whatever, and you list your house on there and there's a map for people to look up who's doing it. So and for people who either are Michigan or outside, because Either way, you may or may not know this, but some people refer to Hazel Park, where both Jeremy and myself live, as Hazel Tucky because mm -hmm. it's quote unquote trashy. Um, it's really gone through a resurgence in the past few years. And it's sort of, it's right next to Ferndale, which is like the neighborhood of Detroit. And so there's been sort of a rebranding recently of Gazel Park as opposed to mm -hmm. Hazel Park. And I'm doing my best to fucking own that shit. We're making this city as gay as possible. And in, in my family, we always call it, we never really uh, said trashy or, you know, white trash or whatever. We tried to be polite about it. We would call it, <laughs> we would call it working class. It's a working class neighborhood. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a great little city and it, there's a lot of room for growth. And I mean, if you want a pot store, if you're not sober, they're everywhere. There's one at the end of my block. It, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a good thing I, I am sober because otherwise all my money would go there. Yeah. <laughs> like all of it stoned 24 7 that's what i used to be for a good 20 years so <laughs> but now i'm only high on life high on life and horror movies and horror movies i need a shirt and a shirt mm -hmm. that says that mm -hmm. so jeremy guess what what we got another email holy cow it's finally guess, happening guess who it's from 
Tess. Nope. <gasps> Another one from Ethan. Yes. Ethan Yay! is my new favorite between Ethan, Tess, and Nico. Those are, I, I would say, our, our elite friends of the podcast. Elite official friends of the podcast. But you too can be, listener. Just send us an email or an Instagram message or a text. I read them all. Yeah, so. do it. So Ethan's email subject is quick follow-up. And he writes, I hated A Quiet Place for the exact same reasons you guys did. Like, really? The United States military couldn't connect supersonic hearing creatures might hate supersonic sounds? And speaking of prequels, remember in the first one, it shows the newspaper saying something about how the creatures can hear very well? I want to see the story of the newspaper company writing, editing, printing, and delivering that newspaper in complete silence. God damn it, I hate it so much. Also, on the topic of Tusk, I saw it in theaters opening night, and I was the only one in the theater. Now, this wasn't a small theater. It happened to be a popular place, but for some odd reason, no one in the Tri-County area wanted to see a movie about a man being turned into a large, water-dwelling mammal. Again, this brings me to another question. As much as I enjoyed having a theater to myself, my favorite horror movie experience was seeing The Purge in theaters. The place was wild. People were openly smoking weed inside, and every kill came with the loudest of commentaries. I remember during the fight scene near the pool table, Ethan Hawke pelts a guy in the head with a pool ball, and this dude screamed, Dome shot! To this day, I quote that frequently. If at the end, when our main daddy dies, someone screamed, yo, fuck that stupid kid, and the place exploded with laughter. So finally, what's your guys' favorite movie-going experience during a horror flick? Your fellow scarer, Ethan. Ethan, I love that you not only write us with great commentary, but you pose brilliant questions. So yes, thank you. I love it. And you know what? I wish I could have been at that theater watching The Purge because I did not like The Purge. And I feel if I could have watched it with a bunch of great, hilarious commentary, the experience would have been heightened. Yeah, I think The First Purge. Exactly. Yeah, I saw The First Purge in theaters, but like my experience was not that fun. It was just, you know, people watching a movie and it's kind of a mediocre movie at the end of the day. I concept, think the, great. Concept, great. In fact, no. I think I think the sequels are better than the first one, or at least the first couple sequels. Totally. The second and third better. one are great. Yeah. The first one is kind of like, OK, here's the idea, but they just didn't fly with it. You know, and the didn't... characterizations, as you know me, hated them. That little boy was really, really annoying. Really flat. Really yep. flat and stereotypical. Like, it's a dad, a mom, and the kids, and they all just do those things. That's all they are. <laughs> but yeah, the idea was fantastic. Like, what a great idea for a movie. And you're right. The subsequent films were so much better. Yes, yes. Um, let me think. I'm trying to uh, remember some of my favorite theater going experiences for like horror movies. I'm going to expand it a little bit to just monster movies because I remember when we sure. covered uh, the uh, the legendary uh, Godzilla, legendary pictures, Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. I remembered mentioning my theater going experience for that, which was like electric because people it was one of those experiences where people were palpably excited like in the theater for it like you could feel the tension uh of everyone just like ready for that and people were cheering at the end when godzilla killed the the bad monsters and yeah that's one of them because people were screaming and jumping and 
excited about that. Mm -hmm. It's one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen, but it was one of the most fun theater experiences I ever had, which is Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh. That sticks out in my mind where it's like he was saying, people were screaming and talking to the movie. It was like being stuck in a theater with Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, Cause everyone was just like realizing this is a dumb ass movie. Uh, so everyone was just leaning into it. Uh, and one of that my is fun. one of my favorite moments in and then there's a scene in the movie where the lead girl runs into a barn and she she's being chased by Leatherface and she slams the like the barn door the wooden barn door she like barricades it uh and then you know a, somebody in the theater screams bitch he has a saw and then <laughs> and then you know seconds later the chainsaw comes through the door and he just cuts it open and you're like <laughs> but it was so much fun people were just hooting and hollering uh and cracking up at this terrible texas chainsaw sequel um and i'm trying to think i just had another one on the tip of my tongue but i don't remember i used to go to we used to get um screening passes to see movies in advance like all the time like the week of like Metro Times used to have things where like locations you would go pick them up. We also knew some people who would like come into like the coffee shop I worked at and like hand them to us. So I remember seeing Final Destination 3, I think, in the theater and also um, Exorcism of Emily Rose and Cabin Fever, the first one. Mm. And I hated cabin fever and apparently everyone else at the screening did too because when it ended everyone booed <laughs> and i did not like that movie at all i remember when it came out it had like a real like people didn't like it i remember when it first came out and then now for some reason it's a cult you know classic like everything Ew. over time everything becomes a cult classic but i remember that nobody liked it when it came out yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I like the second one, the Ty West one, a lot more. People are really not a fan of that one, but yeah, I thought it that's was so much better. Much better movie. So much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. So two of mine are, and I've mentioned this one before, but Scream. And it wasn't the first time I saw Scream. It was the second time. Because the first time I saw it with my sister, like the day after Christmas or something, and there was like maybe three or four people in the theater. And while I loved it and, you know, it's still one of my all time favorites. I went, drove up to Billings, Montana with my two best friends, Kevin and Tony, and we went to go see it. And it was a, a late night theater. The theater was packed and it was that sort of electric vibe. People were cheering and laughing and just fucking enjoying that experience. And it like, I'll always remember that. And the other one was Blair Witch Project. We went to go see it like the week before it came out. They had a screening at this theater in Denver. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a little art house theater. And they had a screening and no one knew how big it was going to be yet. And there was just a line all the way around the block. So we couldn't go that night because it sold out. But we went like three days later and we got our tickets in advance. And it was amazing. I mean, it, mm -hmm. I think it was a midnight show. A girl threw up in the aisle. Like oh, it, it was just, and I mean, I went home and I was scared shitless. I was living in like a really creepy part of Denver and like my living situation wasn't great. And there was no one home when I got there, but I was sure there was gonna be someone standing in the corner when I walked in the room. Uh -huh. And like, I mean, I, it scared the shit out of me. And just like the vibe was electric because it was packed and everyone you just knew had been hearing it, the buzz and, you mm -hmm. know, all of that stuff. So those are the, the main ones that stick out to me. I do remember 
I just have the vaguest memory of I remember uh, seeing the Evil Dead remake when that came out like shortly after because I remember that had like a ton of buzz behind it when it first hit theaters. And oh, I went yeah. to they were like, it's the scariest movie ever. Yeah. And I went to see that and it was in a packed house, like sold out. Uh, and people were fucking freaking out during it. So I remember that being a lot of fun. And that is like, they did a good job. That's a gory, you know, like they went all out making that thing. I do love the Evil Dead remake. So, but uh, yeah, people were freaking out during that, like lots of screams and jumping. And th that was, I remember that being an experience. I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but like Joe is not a big fan of seeing packed movies, mostly because inevitably you're going to have a bunch of jackasses in there who are talking and, you know, laughing when they're not supposed to and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And so we go to a lot of like weekend first shows on like Sunday at like 11 a.m. or things like that. And so I haven't been to a lot of like packed movies, but horror movies are really great to see like that. But you do often run the risk especially if you're seeing something on like an opening weekend late night that you're gonna have a bunch of drunk people in there who are just like you know just being too loud just to be loud because they're obnoxious people and when you're of an older generation like myself that is that can be a little bit annoying absolutely so I miss that, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, eh, it's fine. If I see it in a less crowded theater, I can have my own experience and like judge it solely on that. Mm -hmm. But Ethan's question like propels me into a, a, a branch off question. If you could go back in time, oh. what are some horror movies you would like kill to see in a theater? If you could take a horror movie time machine. Yeah, I would see... Just for the experience, I would want to see The Exorcist. Yes, that's number one on my list. People passing out and shit. Yeah. And in the same thought, because the, the same stories exist for it, you go back even further, the original uh, Frankenstein with Boris Karloff. Oh, really? Because that legend holds that that had the same effect as like The Exorcist. People were passing out in the theater and just so freaked out by the, oh, the wow. monster. Yeah. Wow. So, yep. Especially when he killed that little girl. I bet yeah. they were like crying and freaking out. Yeah, that story, the story goes that like as soon as he turned around, uh, the first time you see him in that movie when Boris Karloff turns around and reveals the close up of the monster in the makeup like people were just freaked as soon as they saw him so i bet the same holds true with the uh, original phantom of the opera when people saw yes. his face they probably freaked uh, the fuck out yeah oh another one would be the original night of the living dead i knew you were gonna say that yeah because that's got so many stories again about people just being like what the fuck is this and this was like the scariest thing as a big fan of slashers, I would have loved to have seen the original Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. Friday the 13th, I would be fine not seeing. Yeah, I don't I, I feel like that one doesn't have the same like because Halloween just blew people's minds. Yeah. Uh, and by the time Friday the 13th came around, like that was a couple years later, slashers were in full effect. Like as soon as Halloween dropped, everyone was making them forevermore. So I don't feel like it had the same impact as the original or the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, God, yes. In 74, that was, I understand, just like, that was like hunting down a piece of pornography or some forbidden thing. Like, you had to go find it at, like, a grindhouse theater, and it was just so mind-blowing to people. They just don't make them like they used to. No. <laughs> no. Or uh, the original Psycho. 
Yes. That'd be that another one. Be I know that was amazing. another one that just freaked people out because it just, you know, it was so unusual for the time and just wild. So have you watched anything this past week? Um, the past two weeks, really? Yeah, really. Let's see what what of note jumps to mind. The other night, the wife and I watched Army of the Dead on Netflix. Oh, how is it? It's like a zombie movie, right? Like it sounds. Yep, Zack Snyder's new zombie flick. It's definitely. I mean, it's not really related. It's not a sequel, but the DNA is there that it's a follow up to his Dawn of the Dead remake. It's got a pretty similar vibe. He goes further with like it's an action movie first and foremost. It's not really so much scary as it is gory very action-packed lots of gunplay and fighting zombies it's long though it's overly long it's like a two and a half hour movie i think that's too long for zombies yeah a lot of plot getting in the way of the story there uh now are you a fan of train to busan never seen it you haven't oh man that's i know it's great i hear it's great so good but yeah Army of the Dead, uh, I enjoyed it. I see it's kind of divisive. I think it's part of it's just Zack Snyder. Some people fucking hate his movies. He's like the new Michael Bay. He did the Suicide Squad? No, he did uh, Batman versus Superman. Ah, thank you. And, yep, and uh, the Justice... Well, he was the original director on the Justice League movie, and then due to personal uh, tragedy, he had to leave project. Joss Whedon took over. The movie that came out was awful. Uh, and he just recently, you know... DC and Warner Brothers, DC Comics and Warner Brothers gave him money to finish his version. So now there's like a director's cut out there called Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is much better than the theatrical version we saw. But, you know, he's an action guy. He is very similar to like a Michael Bay where it's about the action and the spectacle. Don't go thinking you're going to get any deep meaning about human existence or anything from his flicks. But okay, yeah, Army of the Dead. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Okay. I watched Seance last weekend, which is about like a girls boarding school. The poster is amazing. It ha- it's mm-hmm. like a like a drawing or like, I mean, like a painting, a graphic, if you will. And then you see like a bunch of hands like sort of creating like something like you would have like a seance and everyone puts their hands in the middle. But like one of the sets of hands is like skeleton hands. It's a really beautiful poster. And I love like a good girls boarding school movie. But that's the problem is that there aren't good ones. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's so many bad ones. And it was horrible. Just mm-hmm. god awful. Like I didn't want to finish it. I'm like, I'm so close. So yeah, I did. Oh, and I also revisited over the uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, George Romero's Land of the Dead. Which is like the one, or is there like a video camera on the poster or something? Is someone holding like a video camera? Or is it found footage? That's Diary of the Dead, which oh, came that's later. that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Land of the Dead is like the end of his, uh, it occupies a weird space because people are like, his, the classic like Romero trilogy is Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Right. Uh, and then he went a long time. And then it was like, I think Land of the Dead came out in 2004. It was like his return to like a big budget zombie movie. Uh, it came out around the same time as like Shaun of the Dead and the Dawn of the Dead remake. So it was part of that zombie boom in the mm-hmm. uh, early 2000s. And it fits. It's like in a weird place where it doesn't exactly jive with the his classic trilogy, but it is supposed to be a continuation of those. Uh, but it kind of feels like its own thing. It's okay. Like, I would give it a three-star rating. It's pretty cheesy. The upside is it has an awesome performance from Dennis Hopper <laughs> as uh, as the villain of the thing. And, and then it's got, you know, like, uh, John Luigi Gonzamo's in it and some other, like, 
what stars. happened to him? I know, right? It was stars who were like having their moment at the time they were in that flick and have kind of, you know, trailed off. It seems they're, they're not as big as they used to be. But yeah, it's uh, I'd say it's kind of a mediocre. It's not his best work. But I think the things I know people loved Diary of the Dead. That was the next one that came after that. And that was kind of a reboot in a way, like almost a remake of Night of the Living Dead, but as a found footage movie. And I haven't seen it since I was in college, but I didn't like it when I saw it. I thought it was pretty cheesy. So then, you know, the last one he did was Survival of the Dead. And that was a terrible movie. So I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it was not good. Okay. I've been rewatching Buffy. Yeah. It's just, I watched it like, I don't know, 15 years ago, but it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun so far. I mean, it's just so cheesy. Like it's so late nineties. Yeah. I think it starts to get a little deeper as you get into it. You've seen it all for the most part. That was my mom's like favorite TV show when it was on really on TV. Yes. Oh my God. That is adorable. Yeah. My mom loves vampires. She loves like any werewolves vampires all the classic monsters like i mean she got me into the classic universal movies so like she's all about your old school monsters so anything with vampires she's about it it's a little weird to see angel what's his name it david boreanaz yeah Am I saying the, that correct yeah david boreanaz i think that's boreanaz. it. he has a jerk off video that surfaced in like the last like few months oh whoa. he like sent like a video to someone like on his phone and, i missed that um, Oh, I bet you did. <laughs> yeah, I missed that. <laughs> but it's amazing. And it's just weird to look at him now. I'm like, I've seen all of you. <laughs> yeah, that's I remember uh, Captain America, Chris Evans, like a little while ago, he had a dick pic that got leaked. Accidentally. Was he, wasn't he like on like a like a canoe with someone and he was naked? Was that him or is that am I thinking of a different celebrity? That might be somebody. Where else, was but... he? No, he was uh, uh, like he took it himself and then it accidentally got shared on like like it was a weird thing. Like he was going through photos on his phone, like being videoed by somebody else. And he okay. accidentally like swiped by that. Oh, and it was on there long enough that people could like screenshot it and take that. So it got that's amazing. Yep. Jonathan Bennett, who was the love interest in Mean Girls. He's a big old homo now. Um, I mean, he probably was back then too, but he wasn't yeah. out. He was, you know, heartthrob material. And so he couldn't be out until he became irrelevant. Yeah. Because um, Hollywood, you know. Yeah. But he recently had this picture. He's like, it was an Instagram story. And it was just a picture though. And he's holding like a, a glass mug that's, and there's like a graphic over that says, or like above it, it's like, good morning. And you just see like his legs and like holding the mug, it's as if he's holding the camera, but there's a reflection in the mug of his junk. Ooh. And like people like overexpose the picture and people think he may have like meant to do it, but like you can, people did all this because <laughs> of course the gays, of course, and they did all this altering to it. So you can like really see, see it, it in all of its uncut glory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love when that sort of stuff comes out. It's so funny. Yeah, it is like whatever. Well, what the hell was it? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Where all those nudes leaked online. What did they call that? The nude apocalypse or something like that. Oh, of a bunch of celebrities. That was a few years ago. Oh, my. Yeah. Because so many times you don't know if it's really this person or whatever. But I yep. remember in high school, there was there was a Brad Pitt nude picture. And I feel like it was authentic. Like these were in like the early days of the Internet. Like, I mean, yep. you had that dial up. And I remember I. 
I hadn't, I mean, I wasn't even out to myself yet, but I had pulled it up and I was like going to print it out for somebody. And it was like to show like to some of my girlfriends or whatever to be like, oh my God. And it was like on like a dot matrix printer that was just slowly printing out. I remember my mom walked into the room oh, and it's no. not the sort of thing you could just like grab off the printer. And I was totally like hovering in front of the printer, just like in like one of those old school, you know, TV shows, like, hey, my what's going just on <laughs> blocking it with your body just like don't look over here obviously where i'm trying to make you not look <laughs> it's for a school project <laughs> yeah yep. oh boy yeah i remember that like i remember in middle school high school like there was like allegedly a nude of jillian anderson out there you know at the height of like x-files wow. stuff uh -huh. which i don't know if i don't think it was authentic but yeah i remember that was like a legendary thing that was out there for us <laughs> nerd boys like oh my god <laughs> which one is she scully scully yes did yep. you like the movie there's one movie and a reboot tv series two movies and then two the movies. Uh, technically, it's sort of a reboot, but it's still like a sequel to the original series. First movie, first movie was good because uh, the first movie happened like while the series was running. So it would like fit into the it was like in between two seasons. So it fit into the continuity pretty well. Then they made the second movie like after the original run of the show had ended and it was gone for a few years. And then they did another movie, except that movie did nothing to tie up any loose ends from the like people were expecting like a continuation of the main like conspiracy plot where like the show ended like there was so much unresolved when the show got canceled. And instead they did like a one off like new monster of the week type story where they're investigating this random mystery and it was it's it's not a terrible movie it's just you know in context it was not what people wanted mm -hmm. uh and then it came back for like two more seasons of a continuation show that wrapped everything up which some episodes were good some were not so great and the ending was kind of fizzled kind of okay. a disappointment but you know what can you do yeah i've never i've seen like an episode or two there's one with Oh, what's that red-haired kid's name from Adventures in Babysitting? Anthony Rapp. There's one with him. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I feel like his nose bleeds or something. That's all I can remember. I like, vaguely sounds vaguely familiar. There's some there's some truly great episodes of that show. And then, you know, and then there's like a really controversial one about like inbred people. Yeah. Home is the name of the episode. Anybody Why that's an controversial. It was just very violent for the time that it was on, you know, on basic television okay uh it ran with like a parental advisory warning in front of it and stuff but like it was a it felt like a slasher it was like the hills have eyes they did their own riff on the hills have eyes where it was like particularly violent and then getting into the nitty gritty of like the inbred family and like they were killing babies in it you know it oh. was wild yeah they had some hardcore stuff in that episode so interesting okay. yeah so that's one worth visiting, I think. Like if there's a you can probably find lists of the X-Files. Like if you don't want to sit through the whole show, you can at least there's definitely some lists out there that can tell you all the great like one off because they had all these amazing like self-contained story, you know, one off episodes. So, OK, and that's one of them. That's one of the greats. Yeah, I, I've always been like, I should check out the X-Files, but just haven't done it. I know it can be daunting because it ran for like, well, now if you have everything, that's like 11 seasons, I think, wow. altogether of TV show. So, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. And each one, like the classic run, each one was like 20 something episodes like TV shows used to do. So it's that's a lot of television. Yeah, I do love 
Jillian Anderson, though. She's uh, so good. Yeah, she's fantastic. I loved her a lot in Hannibal, the TV series. Like, she was fantastic in that. Yeah, I've watched only the first episode. I need to restart it because I just hear it's awesome. Great show. Great show. And creepy, right? Like, creepy. Very creepy. It got really fucking weird before it ended, so. Is it like three seasons? Three. Yeah, three seasons. Sounds perfect. I could do that. Yeah, it's doable. It's bingeable. All right, well, let's uh, share our scares with each other. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, I'm going to give you The Dark and the Wicked. The Dark and the Wicked. I remember you told me about this when you watched it episodes ago, and it's not in my brain pan anymore. I totally forgot anything <laughs> you said about it. I feel like I'm going to take a shot in the dark here about what it's about, knowing nothing. Uh, I feel like I saw a poster from it and there's like a house set in a house. Uh, (laughs) The dark and the wicked. Uh, Let's go with like there's murder. There's a serial killer or something killing people in a house. People don't know what's happening. Trying to solve the maybe let's have fun with this. It's like Clue and it's a bunch of people in a house. (laughs) One of them is a killer and they got to find out who. Hilarity ensues, as always. <laughs> Beautiful. That's it. That's what I. You don't need about. to watch it. You got it. Yep. Cool. <laughs> I think it's on the good old shutter. Awesome. Okay. What do I want to give you? Ah, I'm fluctuating now because I had one thing in mind, uh, and then I flip flopped after talking about the movies I've watched in the past week that I really want to do. So now I'm like, oh crap. But. Overall, I'm kind of going to take you on a journey for the next few episodes, at least. Oh, boy. I feel like as summertime rolls in, it's all hot outside now. It got me thinking, like, what were some good uh, movies that I remember watching at summer vacation? You know, your schedule gets all irregular. Uh, I'm at home during the day, and I found so many great horror monster movies just watching daytime, like, cable and movie channels and you'd see all kinds of weird shit from the 80s early 90s getting replayed you know constantly uh so i'm sitting there thinking like what what are those movies you know that gets me in the summer mood thinking about these movies let's go on a little voyage through some of these weird ones uh so i am gonna assign you and talking about zombies i'm gonna go with george romero's day of the dead Mmm, fun and that's what I'm giving you. I mean, so it's like it's the third one in the series. I'm pretty sure because we talked about it not too terribly long ago. Mm-hmm. The thing I know about it is that there's I feel like it's the last moment and you don't know it's a dream. And the girl goes over like the calendar and all the hands come out of the wall. And it's just this beautiful shot. But then I think like she wakes up and it's all a dream or she doesn't wake up, but it is a dream. So I think that based on that scene that I've seen. I feel like it takes place like they're more like they're like military or something like that. I know that there's that lead girl who at least makes it to the end because I think that's the end. And, you know, the virus is still going after they all left the mall. They had to go other places (laughs) in the world. (laughs) So I think you have a, a small group of of people probably nice and diverse casting because those movies always were which was great and um but they're on like a military base or something and they're really trying to figure it out i imagine like one of them has you know some ulterior motives and is you know 
not actually trying to like solve this and contain it. Like there's a, of the, the, the good people, there's a bad person and that's your true villain, not the dead people, because it's not their fault that something happened and they, you know, came up out of the earth and need They're food. zombies now. They're yeah. zombies. They, they have to ease the pain or whatever that lady says in yep. Return of the Living Dead. That's right. <laughs> they just want to party. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a couple people survive. I think that woman survives a military base and the zombies get into it. Cool. Yep. You don't have to watch it. You got it. No. <laughs> But I'm excited to finally watch it. You can finish off the classic trilogy. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, that's it, guys. We'll be back momentarily. That's right. See, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. We're back. We are here. <laughs> yes, we are. What's up, Jeremy? Not a lot. You know, I've been thinking, why don't they just clone Bigfoot? I mean, don't you have to have the thing you're going to clone? So in between watching the movies, I've been watching a lot of like monster hunting TV shows, you know, the crappy <laughs> monster hunting shows again. Okay. Uh, and I found Monster Quest on Amazon Prime. I think it's on there anybody remembers that one but there was an episode where they had bigfoot dna uh they say like bigfoot blood and i'm like if you think you have it because they do the tests and they're always like it came back inconclusive we don't know what animal it is like just clone it somebody's got money for that right and if it's a bigfoot you've cloned a bigfoot and proved they exist you know tell them how it's done jeremy that's my crazy thoughts <laughs> <laughs> and these are totally sober thoughts too so think about that <laughs> no i don't want to no anyway i did watch the movies we were supposed to too and oh, good. All, I did, all of I that did too so, i watched them as well so let's start off with my pick which is the dark and the wicked the letterbox tagline is she told you not to come and the summary is, on a secluded farm in a nondescript rural town, a man is slowly dying. His family gathers to mourn, and soon a darkness grows, marked by waking nightmares and a growing sense that something evil is taking over the family. <laughs> First off, I want to say the tagline, she told you not to come. Sounds like a dominatrix porn of some kind. So uh... <laughs> like like uh, um, like edging, edging porn. Yeah, it's like an edging <laughs> porn, right? She told you not to come. The dark and the wicked. All right. The dark and the wicked. First off, I want to say I really like this title because uh, <laughs> I kept sitting there like reading it to myself or saying it to myself. And I'm like, it sounds like a William Faulkner like novel, like the sound and the fury as I lay dying, <laughs> the dark and the wicked, like it, it fits does. right in there. Um, so it's got this literary sound. So I'm like, cool. When I start this movie, like when I started this initially, I was like, what did you give me? Because uh, <laughs> it really felt like it really... It just like it was a retread of like the exorcist or amityville horror or something like that like for about the first i'd say like half hour it was like edging into that <laughs> edging edging into that territory <laughs> of like oh this is just a retread of shit i've seen before and like a glossier you know newer package but i'd say like as the movie gets going probably for the the second 
two thirds of the movie, it, I think it finds its own voice. It kind of veers into um, something a little more highbrow, maybe. Like it, it starts to have tones of like hereditary or uh, like The Shining, something like that, something a little more high concept with what it's doing and not just your run of the Because clearly this is a demonic possession movie. Like that's what this is about. But it kind of does some weirder, artier stuff, I guess, with it. That's what I thought. And, and I also had to get over, like, clearly I was like, oh, they're going for the Southern Gothic atmosphere, as we were just talking about right. earlier. But as soon as the characters start talking and they're like, it's going to be okay, Ma. Like those kind of accents, you know, I was like, oh, this is where we're going with this. Like <laughs> these actors are playing at, uh, you know, down home kind of <laughs> characters. But, you know, it, it drew me into its world. I got into it. I love Marin Ireland. We talked about her before on the podcast because she's briefly in piercing. I think she's in like that dream yeah. sequence. Yeah, I saw that looking at her filmography and I was reminded. It's like, oh, yes, we did mention her. Uh, and, and she was in The Irishman, which I did watch. And I was like, that's what I recognize her from, The Irishman. I've not seen it, but she's in Homeland, the first season of that, which is so good. Mm-hmm. And she's in The Empty Man, which I keep hearing a lot about. Mostly really good things, but also some pretty mixed things. Yeah, is that the the one I'm thinking of? I think it just came out like this past year. Or yeah, year. That was, uh, one of my buddies, my buddy Sean sent me an article about it, how it's like become a cult hit already, like a hyper accelerated like pace. It became like a cult phenomenon. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. I really want to see it. I do too. Maybe we should cover it on the show. Maybe we should mm-hmm. to form our own opinions. Yes. But I, I love Marin Ireland. I find her so fucking neat mm-hmm. she's neato i i just i like watching her i think she makes really interesting choices and she's just cool mm-hmm. i dig her so what i really like about this movie first of all is brian bertino i'm a big fan of the strangers are you a fan of the strangers Yes, I've only seen the first movie. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the second one. I think he just wrote the story or they say, like, attach his name to it since he did the first one. There's a one very good sequence in the second one, and there's some aspects about it I like. Mm-hmm. But the first one, for the most part, is a hit for me. I don't like the some of the very end, but, like, the buildup is really good. And just that shot of the baghead guy just walking up behind her and just like, there's no creepy music. It's just, just one of the creepiest shots and like contemporary horror. I think it's just so yeah. eerie. You want to, you want to hear something wild? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't look up at all. Like who the guy was that wrote and directed this movie. I had no idea who he was or what other movies he'd done the whole time I was watching this. I was like, for some reason, this is reminding me of the strangers. <laughs> so, well, it makes sense. And there you go. it does make sense in that regard that it's out in like the country and sort of a desolate, like there really are some interesting shades of one another in it while mm-hmm. being a totally different kind of movie. Like yes. the one is like a really a straight up slasher, creepy masks. This one's demonic possession and the scares are a little different, but it, you can tell that they're made by the same director. Yeah. He also has a movie called The Monster, which I will give you someday because I really liked it when I saw it, but it's been a long time. So I'm intrigued to see if I like it. And you're going to be shocked, but it's about a monster. 
Oh, I thought it was going to be, maybe it was metaphorical. And, uh, there's like no monster. There it's are just... some metaphors, but there is a physical monster in it. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's good. And it has like, it's based on like a mom and a daughter. I'm always really drawn to female leads. And so, yeah, I'm intrigued to watch that again at some point. I think mm-hmm. this movie has some really great scares. Yeah. Um, there's a, a lot of jump scares. <laughs> There are, but there's also some like effective ones. Like the one time she like walks to the front door and she walks past and there's that shadow of like the monster or the demon, but there's no like stinger. And it's just one of those like, oh, oh God. And then she comes back and then the stinger happens on the second one when it's like not the demon. But like that sort of, that's like a great jump or rather just a great scare. Like just that sort of thing where they're using the silence and not using jolting music to get you. Yeah. And in the beginning, in the in the cold open of the movie, if you will, there's the scene of the demon or whatever, you know, the guy's crawling around with the sheep for like a split second. Yeah. Uh, And that I was like, oh, shit. okay, it's going to be one of those kind of movies where I was like, whoa, okay, cool. And also going to be a little spoilery here, but. You never really know what the fuck happened. No. Like, they they grew up here. You get the sense that this is, like, their childhood home. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it was always possessed, because there's never that conversation of, like, well, this farm was always strange ever since we were little kids, me and you. You know, there's none of that. I kept wondering if it was going to take, like, a hereditary turn, where it's, like... But then it became clear, like, all the characters that were visiting the farm were just part of the possession or something was off with all of them because you're like, the priest was never actually coming there or something, you know, whatever. It was, who knows? And then the Charlie's daughter is, like, an illusion, maybe, or the demon, you know, shape-shifting. That's that's so creepy, that girl. And she's like, I can smell him. Yeah. (laughs) He's rotten. But yeah, they, I kept wondering if they were going to pull a hereditary and be like, your parents, your dad was like part of a cult or something, or they did something, or they got t- mixed up in some kind of satanic, you know, stuff. Uh, and this is what's happening. But no, they never explain it. It just is. And I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, me too. By the time it ended, I was like, no, that worked for this story. It didn't need to get into the like, the minutia of like, well, they summoned a demon, you know, somebody pulls out an old book and then they're looking through it and reading about the demon. Like this movie didn't need that. Yeah. And it's, what is the priest when she does call him and he's like, I've never met you, but he says something like I had a daughter who died and she like had your name. Her name was Louise. Yes. You sound just like her. Yeah. And it just makes me think, like, was that really the, like, there's, it's really like, what can you believe? Exactly. Cause when she's on that phone, cause every phone call they make in the damn movie is not right in some way. Like, it's always fucked up. So you never know what to believe. And it's really creepy that scene with the priest when he's just like all of a sudden out there in the middle of the night and he's like, come outside. And it's just like that. Like Mm -hmm. this movie, both times I watched it, the first time and the second time, although the first time it was more effective. But that first time I watched it, when it ended, I was, oh, really creeped out. And I was again this time too. I was like, this is fucking creepy. Mm -hmm. Not quite as much uh, for obvious reasons, because, you know, I've already seen it. You know what's going to happen. And I love, did you see the poster with like the, the house? And then there's like the woman like floating above the house. 
No, I didn't see that one. Oh, the poster is what made me want to watch this. Because okay. I kept hearing good buzz. And then I saw the poster and it's just this beautiful red poster and it's that creepy house with the creepy tree and then up above the house is the mom just like floating in the mm -hmm. air and i made me wish that there had been a, that moment a little bit more fleshed out because there is that time where he sees like his mom out floating. in the yard and that's kind of creepy that freaks me out really bad float. yeah and i could have done without like the like the scares immediately after where those are like those cheap jump scares where she's like behind him in the bedroom and stuff yeah. but like when that light kept turning on i was like oh fuck no <laughs> yeah yeah this flick too i i didn't look anything up but i was wondering if it's based at all on anything pre-existing like is it from a book or even just a story uh because it has the same kind of feel this is probably why i was getting it because the strangers you know is vaguely inspired by like the manson family murders uh, so it has that true to life, like ripped from the headlines feel to the strangers. And this movie too reminded me so much. I was getting these heavy vibes of when I, back when I lived in uh, Grand Rapids, I had a couple of buddies and like, we got really into like ghost, you know, the ghost hunt and going to the haunted locales around like the greater Grand Rapids area and reading all the lore about the different, you know, stories uh, about these so-called haunted spots. And there was a lot of stuff of those kind of like, and this guy lived here and he heard voices and went crazy and murdered these people, you know, and that's kind of what this movie is like. It reminds me of a really good story like that. We're like, don't go to that farm because the family went nuts. They were haunted by demons and they all killed themselves, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, there's like a heavy sense of dread that just sort of mm -hmm. is there the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it's just, it's cool. It's <laughs> Thick in the air, thick dread. This movie also really, maybe again, going back to the strangers or like if this had come out like five, between five and 10 years ago, like it would have had like a theatrical release. Um, and it was making me, I was thinking about like the last exorcism or like the first sinister uh, or the first strangers where they had these ever present ad campaigns <laughs> that were constantly like, see the scariest movie in America right now. And I was like, this would have been one of those movies that had one of those ad campaigns. They would have been pumping it out everywhere. Pumping it out. That's the world we live in now is these kinds of movies just go right to, you know, shutter or right to a streaming service. There's no space for the mid-level horror, you know, mid-budget horror movie at the Cineplex anymore. Yeah, it's one of the the better, not that there are a lot of bad ones, but it's definitely one of the better Shutter originals. Like this and like the Mortuary Collection. I'm like, these are the best mm -hmm. Shutter originals. We're good. You know, Haunt was pretty good. Yeah. Haunt's fine. I even though it's not heavy on characterization in this, I feel the characters are fleshed out even if we're not getting a lot of dialogue i feel like they know a lot so i'm into mm -hmm. that a little bit more whereas haunt is like okay you know it, it does a little bit more that spoon feeding with like i have a really bad yeah. relationship let me show you some flashbacks and here it's just like mm -hmm. guess what you're gonna we're gonna vague book all over this movie and you're gonna just know very little <laughs> yep and you're gonna be like cool all right yep. whatever and I'm all for that, as we know. I am all for some like some good storytelling and like don't fucking treat me like I've never seen a scary movie before. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. And this movie, like I said, it took me for a ride because initially it sets you up for sort of a, I've seen this all before. We're just getting the like the dread and the weird stuff happening. And like they telegraph it really early that dad's not just sick. He's got the devil in him or something like that. So, but you know, like I said, then it really starts to forge its own story and do some interesting things. Even if there are some cliches here or there, but it's, yeah. it's still, it still all works. Yeah, it is. It's a simple story. There's not a whole lot to it. It doesn't do anything dramatically new, but it just, I feel like it's effective. It's overall just well-made, well-acted, some good creepy scares, and I'm I'm down for that. I'll take it. I'll take it yeah. right in my face. Mm-hmm. All over me. So out of how many chopped off fingers among carrots would you give this out of five? You know, this is fun because initially, like I said, I watched this. I was like, ah, this is mediocre. And then it got better. And then I was thinking I was going to give it one rating. But now that we talked about it, I'm more excited about the movie than I thought I was. Uh, So I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a four too, you little bitch. Wow. (laughs) I was going to go three and a half. But talking about it, I'm like, nah, I like this more than a three and a half. So. And Jeremy. Yes. (laughs) You know what that means. (laughs) What? Scare of approval. Heck yeah, loves it. Scare of approval. And I was going to mention this earlier, but this was number six in my top 10 of the best of 2020. Mm. Immediately above the Mortuary Collection, which was my number seven. And above Dark and the Wicked was Extraordinary. So sooner or later, you're going to have watched all my best of 2020 because we've also covered His House and 12-Hour Shift and Relic. So there's only a couple more left on there. Cool, let's do it. (laughs) But why not, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've not seen them. It's new to me. That's right. And they're good. I love them. So I um I didn't get it right at all, other than they were in a house. I knew it was a family coming together in a house for some reason. Right. Set in a house, you thought there was gonna be like like clue with like a serial killer or like a killer among people and people trying to figure out who the killer is. So you are right. You got the house. Yep, I got the house. And there was a killer among them. It's just a demon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is exciting because I like these kinds of movies. I like the demons. So yeah, and if you haven't seen it, go check it out on Shutter. Go to our link tree. We have a, a link for the movies. You can watch it. It's it's a good little creepy watch, and it's like an hour and a half, hour and thirty five or so. It's it's a short little runtime. Both cool. of our movies are right about at the same run runtime. This yeah, week. they are. Yeah, nice little watches. All right, I guess we're moving on to uh, George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. Uh, And here we go. The darkest day of horror the world has ever known. Trapped in a missile silo, a small team of scientists, civilians, and trigger-happy soldiers battle desperately to ensure the survival of the human race. However, the tension inside the base is reaching a breaking point, and the zombies are gathering outside. (laughs) Very succinct. Very succinct. Very simple. Okay. So I have to start off saying, like, Night of the Living Dead... It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I've seen it numerous times. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's a classic. I know it like set up a lot of what the world has come to know as zombies, etc. I've seen the original Dawn of the Dead like once and I thought it was fine. I didn't mm-hmm. like I knew there was like some commentary to it. I really liked the remake. I don't think the remake is like absolutely amazing, but I would probably prefer the remake of Dawn of the Dead over Oh, whoa. The Ridge. But, like, it's been a long time since I've seen the original. But I've never had 
a desire to see Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the only scene I really knew was that hand scene, which I thought it was at the end. And it's, it's the, the very, very first it's the thing. very first scene. And it goes into it and I'm like, and I knew it was going to be some sort of military thing, which is not at all something I'm drawn to. So mm -hmm. I'm like, what are we getting into? And about 30 minutes into it, I'm like, I love this movie. <laughs> like it takes a little bit of time to set it up. And then I have to say, by the end, I'm like, this is the best of the trilogy by far to me. And I think it is motherfucking so good. Right on. It was amazing. I'm so excited by it. that because I love this movie too. And here's the thing. I don't think the first one really has much humor at all. It is just dark and bleak. Mm -hmm. The second one, I remember having some commentary with the mall and consumerism and things like that. Like that's sort of what he was going for or what people took away from it at any yeah. rate, right? Yes. This one is more like humanity blows <laughs> sort of yes and like what we think is the monster maybe we just don't understand and maybe it doesn't understand us very much i mean they keep calling the doctor frankenstein frankenstein but it very much is that and mm -hmm. i never ever knew that the monster on the poster image was bub who is a good zombie <laughs> yeah. or a partially reformed zombie partially reformed but like i love him bub is the greatest character this movie what makes the I, I feel like what sets this one apart from the prior now you know i'm one of those devotees i love george romero i love these his trilogy of zombie movies night of the living dead is an unquestionable classic just for its impact alone on horror in general same with dawn of the dead like he had a you know double hitter there he repeated it and made another hugely impactful you know with some commentary and some thought behind it zombie movie and then he made this and this movie for a long time was kind of seen as like the odd man out like i remember contemporary to its release people didn't like this and it got trashed uh hmm. but in more recent years i feel like this movie has had a Halloween three season of the witch kind of thing happened where it was sort of like people saw day of the dead. It's like, he's just parodying himself now. Cause this one's got the best zombie effects. It's got the best gore in it of all of them. Uh, you know, it's just, those effects are bleeps and bounds better than the other two. Uh, and so people I th think we're just kind of taken aback as like, what is this? Cause it's so bleak. So gory but so funny that's what i love about it so it's much it's been reevaluated now and a lot of people see it as a classic and you're not off by saying it's the best of the three because i've seen that opinion surfacing more and more i just don't remember being wrapped up in the characters in dawn of the dead no i uh, that's the thing too this movie the characters are so good like every so character good. even like the army dudes like I found myself re every time I rewatch this, I like it more than the last time I watched it. Uh, watching this time, I was like, even Steel, uh, you know, one of the dick. He's army the hottest dudes. of them. I love he's, Steel. Yeah, he's got kind of a he's got kind of a John Goodman in the Big Lebowski thing going on. Yes, um, but he's like, even though he's a dick, you you still see some humanity there because there's moments where you know where he's like shooter and he doesn't want to shoot. You know the uh, uh, the the main character there uh even though they're shitty people they still have some humanity like most of them except for the boss the 
the colonel or right. whatever the Rhodes. hell he is. He's just Captain Rhodes. Rhodes. He's just a straight up dick, but such a dick. But so, totally unhinged. So in the very beginning, like not the very beginning, not like the dream sequence, which is so beautiful. Like I immediately was trying to find a shirt. I was trying to find two shirts after watching this movie. One with all those hands coming through because yeah. it is just a so gorgeous cool. image, which I found one. I haven't ordered it yet, though. And then the second image I really wanted to get was that cover of Salem's Lot, because I think that's the version I read when I was like young, because I oh, saw cool. that cover and I was like, oh, my God, like it just brought such a memory back to me. I love that cover that like mm-hmm. creepy, like angel face almost it's like mm-hmm. carved on like the side of a building and that blood coming out of the corner of its mouth and just like what a fun like i just think it's so interesting that they have it in this movie they're like well, let's throw a stephen king novel is there a story there yeah romero and stephen king were like close personal friends okay so they would they would do like you know because uh stephen king I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head but i'm sure there are references to romero movies like in his books people like mentioning like i watched that night of the living dead movie or something like that and then uh you know romero directed creep show which stephen king wrote the screenplay of and ah yeah uh, and then romero also directed the adaptation of the dark half with sam neill no tim i think it was timothy hutton was in that oh yeah you're thinking of in the, in the mouth, mouth of madness, madness. right? Yep. Yeah, it's kind of similar vibes, uh, but yeah, Romero directed the dark half, the adaptation of the dark half, and worked with Stephen King to make that. And I think that's kind of an underrated movie. It's not great, but I saw it when it came out, like on VHS, and I don't remember anything about it except for birds. I remember there's birds. Yeah, there's a lot of birds. The music is just amazing. Yeah, I have the uh, score on vinyl. It's <laughs> I, so good. I, I listened to it after finishing it. So really where it start, like the movie, like I said, it, about a half hour starts to like, it grabbed hold of me. First of all, when you meet the doctor mm-hmm. and he's that thing I've talked about before that I love where it's like that bit of humor in a character and like a really bleak situation, very much kind of like... um well, I can never remember his name in Kong Island. Um, oh, uh, John C. Riley. Yes, John C. Yeah. Riley. I never can remember his fucking name. Mr. Cellophane, that's why. But he, like that similar sort of character, like just this kind of bumbling character, but who's very realistic, but that just brings the tone up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I love Sarah. I love the lead gal. She's so Sarah, good. thank you. That's her yeah. name. Of course, my wife's name. Uh, of course. Um, and it's weird. Like, I was like, which guy is her her boyfriend? It's so weird because I just don't get that sense between the two of them. Like, when he hit her, I'm like, who's this guy hitting her? And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's her fucking boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just never felt their relationship. But that was okay. Like, I felt like there was history there. And that's the one thing I, I really like about this movie compared to Dawn and Night. Uh, though, you know, props to Romero for always having a, uh, a, a significant female lead in yes. all three of these movies. Uh, Sarah in this movie is the only one that like really has agency and feels like a uh, like a badass in her own right. Because even the you know in Night of the Living Dead, she's just a damsel in distress. You know, Barbara the the entire time. Oh yeah. Uh, And even in Dawn of the Dead, uh, the main uh, gal whose name I can't remember at the moment, she also is just kind of along for the ride with these like tough, you know, army, you know, policemen types that are there to help her out. And she's less damselly in distress, but still not, 
you know, in charge of the situation. She's got these men kind of taking point on that. This movie, you know, Sarah is capable uh, and she could she could survive without these guys. She could get it done. For sure. This movie kind of reminded me of two things. It reminded me of Alien, like mm-hmm. just in like the sense of them, like the the group. There was just something about that. And Alien came out like well before this, right? Yeah, Not absolutely. well, but like five years, like 79 or something. Yeah, and what is this, 84, 85? 85, which is okay. also interesting that it came out the same year as Return of the Living Dead, which yeah. I, I just... It's so interesting because they're like Return of the Living Dead is like the fun version of the dead movies. Yep. And then this is also kind of the fun version of the dead movies. But serious. Serious fun. I mean, this movie's still bleak as hell because it's like humanity is over. Like the zombies have irrevocably won at this point. It also feels like this movie is the formula that The Walking Dead used for so much. I mean, I know The Walking Dead is zombies, but it feels like this with like the humanity's horrible and you have the baddie human Mm -hmm. and then like playing with the monsters. And yeah, yeah, this movie feels more like when you tell somebody like just in your brain, think of a stereotypical zombie movie. It's this movie that they're going to describe. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, Not so much. You would think Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead, but it's like more like this movie is the quintessential like modern zombie movie, I think. So are there connections between night, dawn, and day? Like characters or are things mentioned, or they really like were to imagine like the same pandemic or whatever, for lack of a better term, that the same sort of thing is happening. And these are just three different stories from around the country or whatever. Yeah, uh, there really is not a lot of connective tissue other than that. The idea is that, Um, Because if you look at them, so Night of the Living Dead came out in the late 60s, Dawn of the Dead's in the mid 70s, and then this one's in the mid 80s. I think Romero's idea was like, Night of the Living Dead's the beginning of this pandemic, they think they get it under control, jump ahead sometime, Dawn of the Dead shows that they didn't, the world is on the verge of collapse, and then Day of the Dead is now even further along in this world of the zombies running amok, and it's just collapsed, there's nothing to save anymore. And that's really it. It's just he wanted different time periods of like the same event. Yeah, about the time when they, they being, I can't remember the two guys, Bill and John, when Bill brings her to the Ritz Mm -hmm. and like the music when they arrive was just like, I was like, oh, I love this. Like this is a synth sort of track I want to like jam to. It's Mm -hmm. so good. And then they get there and just that whole scene, like I felt like afterwards, I'm like, I need to rewatch this because there's a lot going on there. Like John has this whole impassioned like monologue that I'm like, I don't think I understood everything he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's just seemed like very deep. And like, it's, I think in that, and she's also saying to them, like, you guys aren't like doing anything. And then later she's like, I'm sorry I said that or whatever. There's just a lot in this that I'm like, I would be excited to come back and watch it again. Because mm-hmm. there is more to it than just, oh, we're hiding from zombies and humanity's yeah. bad too. Like there's lots of levels to it. So many character moments throughout this. So many great ones. Uh, and I love that this time, I'm sure I've noticed it before, but this time it really struck me is every time they're walking around in the caves and the little fake bats fly by them like constantly. <laughs> uh, and I feel like that has to, and the fact that you have, they're calling the Dr. Frankenstein and Bub is clearly supposed to be a reference to like Boris Karloff. 
I know that Romero was a huge fan of the original Universal, you know, cycle of monster movies. Uh, and so I feel like little flourishes like that are nods to those. Like, of course, you know, Dracula movies always had fake bats flying around in the castle and you got Frankenstein's monsters. So. And the gore, like you were talking about, the gore is fantastic. Incredible. And it still looks so fucking good. Yes. Oh, my God. Every bit of it. When guts fall out, when the dude's head gets pulled off. Ah, so oh, good. So everything. in the very beginning, there's an alligator. Yeah. Is the alligator a zombie? I don't know. I hope. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and you also in the beginning see like a skeleton, like just laying there. So are you to imagine that zombies came in literally ate every bit off this person? And that's the only reason a zombie, I mean, the skeleton could be left there. Yeah, I guess. Or it's a zombie. Like, I mean, they're dead. Eventually they would rot, right? Decompose to nothing. Oh, I guess. Yeah. It's also so funny when you finally get the big groups of zombies and you're like, oh, there's a clown. There's a this, there's a that. Because <laughs> like, they're just from all over. Yeah, I was trying to um, uh, I was trying to pinpoint him because I read after the fact that he's in there. But uh, Tom Savini, you know, the special effects yeah. whiz. And of course, he played the lead uh, evil biker in the original Dawn of the Dead. And he dies in that movie. He's a zombie in here somewhere. His biker character. Oh, one of so the zombies. there is a connection. So that, that's it. Of. That's the one connection I can think of, sort of. So, But I missed him. I didn't see him. He's just kind of mixed in there, apparently. I was shocked after Dawn of the Dead did so well, because it was a big fat hit, the remake. Mm -hmm. I was so surprised they didn't remake this. Well, they did, kind of. There is a like lower budget. It was like straight to video remake. Coincidentally, it also had Ving, Ving Rhames in it. Okay. Uh, after doing Dawn of the Dead, he did this. It's called Day of the Dead. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my really? life. Really? It's really bad. Like it's a sci-fi like channel original, you know, level. Uh, and it's just them running around shooting zombies. Like, but it literally is this movie remade. They call they say it's a remake, but it had the plot is not the same at all. It's it feels more like they just remade Dawn of the Dead again. Uh and okay. like, the difference is like I think they're like in an army base or breaking into an army base, but it, it's not at all like this movie, the original. It's just them running around fighting zombies. And it's bad. I find Sarah's like recurring dreams fascinating. And they don't really change. Like by the end, she's still having them. Mm -hmm. Even after going through this, it's like the trauma will never leave yeah. you, even if you can find paradise. Yeah, I took that as like, it's post-traumatic stress. I mean, it's like all of these characters, that's another cool thing is like, this is the point in the zombie apocalypse where everybody has lost their minds. Like every single character is past the breaking point. Uh, and you know that like violence is going to erupt at any point. And like poor Miguel, like it wasn't his fault. Like I thought for sure, because they'd set it up, he was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. He had like PTSD as well. He couldn't handle it. They made it seem like he was going to drop the pole and this and that. But then it really wasn't his fault. Like mm -hmm. the, the strap broke. broke. Yeah. But then he's like, it's not my fault. It wasn't my fault. And I felt so bad for him. <laughs> yeah. And then he just loses it. He gets bit. I mean, oh, it's so, so brutal. And then she just um, hacks that arm off. That was yeah. just amazing. Without She's hesitating. Like, and I'm without like, awesome. Oh, yeah, I love that. I just love that the group sort of splits, which you know it's going to. But you yeah. also assume, like, I thought at least, I was sure the doctor 
would be living much longer, but that guy just gets pissed off because he's feeding him his friend and just mm-hmm. fucking shoots him. Yeah, yeah. And Bub, man. Uh, it's just I love when he salutes the captain <laughs> at it's, the end. Bub is just so great. Like, I, I didn't know where we were going to go with all that. That sort of like, you can reform them, this and that. And I was like, where are we going to go with this? Mm-hmm. But it just worked so well. And it just it just felt like Frankenstein, like the original. Yeah. And just, it was sweet and funny. And when Bub sees the doctor dead, uh, uh, and he, you can feel his sadness there. Yes. I was like, oh, it's so well done. Like, that's Bub. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And this is a movie too, uh, a little a little story here. The first time I saw this might have been the first Romero zombie movie I ever saw. Really? Actually, yeah, cuz I saw this as a I saw all of them as a teenager, like a preteen teenager, you know, when I was discovering like the more modern like horror stuff. And I remember seeing this one on television. I believe it was on the sci-fi channel because they used to play like replay a bunch of these uh, like 80s horror movies, which funny enough, like means they would have cut out all the fucks, but like all the violence was still in most of the time, like virtually all of the violence was still there, which I'm like, I can't believe basic cable got away with so much like gore back in the day. But yeah, I remember seeing this and just saying, what the fuck was that movie? Like being blown away by Bub not knowing what to think of it, like just telling, I remember telling people in, you know, school, like in class the next, you know, whenever I was, it, it, it was like over a weekend, probably like a weekend movie. And then I was telling my friends, like I saw this crazy zombie movie. Have you guys heard of it? And it stuck with me ever since. But yeah, no, I swear to God, it had to have been the sci-fi channel. If anybody listening was a sci-fi channel, like devotee, like I was back then. Do you remember? Cause I can hear the voice, like their old, uh, announcer they used to have in the commercials uh back in like the late i guess 90s probably early 2000s where it'd be like tonight at nine george a romero's day of the dead like i could hear the 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 bump you know the commercial bump in my head but i don't know if it actually exists i've tried to find old commercials on youtube can't find that one so i don't know does anyone remember was it sci-fi channel am am i just making that up But that's I think first you're time, making it up. That's the first time I saw it, and I loved it. And I've loved it more and more. And then I saw the others, and then you're like, oh, I like Night, Night of the Living Dead's a classic. But as time has gone on, like I've said, I've grown to like this one more and more. Yeah, it just has more personality. It does. It I has feel. a lot of personality. And, I mean, my predictions, really, everything except for that scene yeah, was you put pretty it dead on. Wrong point in the movie, but everything else, I mean, you can't go wrong. It's just zombies, man. This, this is just a good zombie movie. It is. It is. It's good. Good time. All right. So out of five paperback copies of Salem's Lot, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it five. Five paperback copies of Salem's Lot. What are you doing? Because <laughs> I'm going to say five, too. After this rewatch, <laughs> I've decided. I was like, this needs five fucking stars. You know what that means? Scare of approval. But that but yeah. is a double scare of approval. That's awesome. And How shout cool. out to Nick the Knife for making us those fun little sound bites for when we have something that we throw it into the slash heap or like this week, 
when you have a scare of approval. Double double scares, which means That's right. watch these movies as soon as you can. Yes, if you have waited around forever like a dumbass like me to see Day of the Dead, get over yourself and watch this a motherfucking movie. It's, it is it is good. Every time I rewatch it, I'm like, why have I waited so long? Like, why am I not watching this all the time? Like, this should be in my constant rotation of uh, movies I revisit. Uh, fucking brilliant. Brilliant. Go to our link tree on our Instagram and you can watch this movie today. You can. Yeah. Right now. Whenever right you're now. listening to this, I hope even if you're driving a car, pick up your phone. <laughs> <laughs> you can pull listen up. to it. Just pull up the, the soundtrack the on movie. YouTube. Endanger everyone around you. <laughs> no, don't. don't safety, no. safety first. I am not a role model. <laughs> safety is important. Wear a condom. Yes. <laughs> especially when dealing with zombies. Well, Jeremy, thank you for giving me an amazing movie. It's one of the very few five-star movies, but I just, I didn't want it to end. Mm -hmm. I, when it ended, I was thrilled and you did, you done, did good, kid. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm going to take you, like I said, this is like my summer of fun is what's happening. So I'm going for like the vibe of like going to the video store and like, what are the... What are the hits that I would have grabbed off the shelf? So loves that. So some of them might be not as good as others, but we will see. All right. Well, come back. Remember to hail Paymon and wear sunscreen. And as always, guys, death to video drome. Long live the new flesh. Yes. Till next time. Share those scares. Because scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.